everybody. Welcome to episode number 104 of the Seat Struck Movie Podcast. My name is John. Joining me today are my co-hosts, Simon. Hey, hey. And Quinn. Hey, guys. Today's a fun one. It's a beautiful day. It's a lovely October 1st. We're kicking off spooky season. Ow! <laughs> you know, pause for sound effects. <laughs> Story noises. Got thunder. Yeah, the, the, I remember my parents had like a screensaver back in the day, and it was like a Halloween. It was like a creepy house screensaver, and it would like every so often, like if you had the sound on, it would like, play like noises, like the thunder would go, the lightning, and you'd hear like, and there was like a door that would slam shut. It was like, and I'd be like in the basement, like watching movies, like as a kid at night, and this thing would just go off making noises and it would scare the shit out of me. It was you know, terrifying. Nothing scarier than a screensaver. Jeez, what a what a wuss I was. Anyway, anywho, today's fun. It's our first spooky canon selection, and it's uh, actually Quinn's suggestion this week. Very excited uh, to talk uh, a movie that um, we were talking before the show. Simon actually rewatched it again recently um, for myself. I hadn't seen this one in ages, uh, so it was really fun to come back to. This is the 1987 American horror comedy classic directed by Mr. Fred Decker. That's The Monster Squad. Uh, so in the second half, we'll be getting into that, talking about that. Maybe we'll chat about, you know, the first time we watched that movie. I've got kind of a fun story with this one, too. Um, but before we do, I want to kick things off. Uh, really brief uh, news of the week. I don't want to spend too much time. I think I'd rather maybe jump jump into um, some spooky movies that maybe we watched recently. You know, I think maybe for this month we could give the audiences some recommendations outside of the stuff we're talking on every episode because it's the year. Everyone tends to be watching a lot of horror around this time uh, of the of the year. Um, kind of a timely news of the week. I had mentioned last episode that there had been some strong rumors like that day of like when I woke up that uh, the Writers Guild of America and the American Motion Picture uh, Society that they had already started some serious talks uh, to resolve the strike. And I had said on that episode, you know, don't like, you know, don't like don't react too quickly. This might take a while. Sometimes things, these things do. And literally like fucking two days later, uh, they came to an agreement. So the strike is over. The second longest Writers Guild strike of America it's it's over um tentative agreement to a three-year contract um from what I've seen in the details a very significant win for the Writers Guild of America in fact pretty much every demand that they wanted they got um so it's kind of funny that you know five months ago they were told none of these demands are reasonable these are totally untenable you can't have this and then five months later complete capitulation uh it speaks well to the power of organized labor um more broadly, um, especially in an era where so many pe people work at places without unions or any kind of representation, I think seeing this, uh, even in like the entertainment industry, is like a is is really is really cool and it's really great that they actually got what they wanted because there were a lot of legitimate concerns around, especially around streaming services um, and the amount of money that they offer around uh, AI and the capabilities it has for generating scripts and taking jobs away from writers. Um, so some very serious. Um, wins especially around ai there's like restrictions now studios can't use ai ai can be used at the discretion of writers there's even a lot of stuff put in in terms of setting standards for the size of writers teams for scripted shows um and, and that and that was really important because a lot of writers have talked about the importance of having a really cohesive writers team on shows it helps make for a better show when you have a team of writers where you can actually plan kind of a larger story um and really track the stuff and so it's going to be for the benefit of everyone for the writers uh being able to actually um have these demands met it's going to make for writers uh 
to have an actual legitimate career and not be replaced by AI or, or substandard commissions. Uh, and it's going to be better for audiences because we're going to get better, better shows, better movies, better scripted things. Um, and, and I think that's a win for us. Um, and it's going to be funny now to see, uh, uh, I guess, the backlog of shows, right? Because they haven't been writing stuff for months and now there's going to be a huge crush to to get everything out. So, um, and I, I do know that I think the Actors uh, Guild is still on strike. So I, I presume that now that this is resolved, there'll be some downward pressure to probably get that resolved soon. So seems seems good. Um, could have been fucking worse, I guess. Um, yeah. So that that'll that'll be kind of fun to see. Um, and uh, otherwise, um, in they, terms of new, they deserve that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also want to quickly mention in terms of new releases, uh, a lot of stuff starting to come out. Um, I'm going reverse order. Um, the Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. That's the new Wes Anderson movie just dropped on Netflix. Seemingly like not a whole lot of fanfare about it. Uh, looks pretty cool. It very much looks and feels like a typical Wes Anderson movie if you're familiar with the style. Didn't he just come up with an, a new, uh, another one? Rocket? Yeah, Asteroid, Asteroid City? City just came out like earlier in the year, so... That was yeah, like two, just a few months ago, it feels like. Jeez. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So two two in production around the same time. This man's fucking busy, you know, making his dollhouse aesthetic ass movie. So I don't know. But... <laughs> I had too bad I don't even like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> not my not my style, but I, I can get why people would like them. Yeah. Well, John, I, it's a short, eh? I just checked. Oh, is it a short? I thought it was a full movie. Oh man. Okay. Well, I still want to check it out though, because um it's based on the Roald Roll Dahl story. Um, and I rem I don't remember it very well, but I remember reading the wonderful story of Henry Sugar as a kid. I had like a little paperback novel of it. Um, so I definitely want to check it out, though, because uh, I love I love the, the Roald Dahl stories. Uh, what's his name? Voldemort. Ralph. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah. He's in it. Right. Cool. Yeah, plays Roald Dahl, actually. Plays, playing Voldemort. <laughs> it's just like, what's he doing here? <laughs> uh, and. And surprisingly, uh, Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Yeah, <laughs> um, it looks looks brilliant, though. I mean, Wes Anderson's great. So, exactly. Um, have you have you guys watched the Castlevania series on Netflix? It's like an anime. I've I've personally yeah. never seen it. I love the games. I grew up playing the Castlevania games. Um, I did notice, and that maybe this was a note that Curtis added. Um, the new Castlevania Netflix series, Castlevania Nocturne is uh just came out uh, i noticed it because i was watching the trailer on netflix for it um i don't know much about the castlevania animated series but i do know the video games it looks something like uh it's got like richter belmont and if you're familiar with castlevania that's like uh dracula x rondo for blood that kind of era the beginning of symphony of the night is like richter you're playing as the old game so um that looks kind of cool i recognize the characters i'm like i know that guy and so that was kind of fun i i might check out the anime because i've heard it's pretty good the, the art style looks almost similar to the classic Castlevania box art kind of style. Um, so that looks kind of looks kind of fun. Um, and actually, another new release just coming out is the 10th movie in the Saw series, Saw 10 or Saw X, I suppose. Yeah, I um, want to see that. Which has apparently been getting also very good reviews. I read somewhere that it has the highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes thus far of the franchise. Not that the whole means a whole lot, as we've already discussed, but um, still still rolling along. It seems like for me, the reason why seeing that is, is, is cool is because I think there's been kind of a pendulum swing back on Saw. Like I felt like as the series went on with the sequels, there was a lot of 
hate and disgust towards it, you know, writing it off as torture porn and, you know, really like thinking that these were lowbrow movies and not had no value attached to them. They were kind of like the Friday the 13th of, of the 2000s. You know, it was like these are just made for money. There's no value to it. And it seems like now there's been like a shift back to, you know what, the Saw series pretty cool and people really like enjoying it. And and it's interesting to see how that shifts, you know, you know, something that that's perceived like that after some time away with some actual attention towards it, it'll eventually like, you know, swing back in the public consciousness as being, you know, worth something invaluable. So uh, kind of cool to see that. I'll, I'll probably roll it and check it out, but I actually have to catch up on all the sequels. I've only ever seen the first two Saw movies. So um, I don't know the deep lore, like uh, every, like you're supposed to know. I, I, think, I, was... I think you can just drop into it without watching any of them. And... <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. I don't know, because I, I was reading somewhere about this series. Like, oh, yeah, this character who pops up in five and, and six. I'm like, fuck, I got to have like a character map when I'm watching this this movie oh. about dopey jigsaw puzzles. Like, oh, man. There's always like some cop who pops up who's like, I've been doing jigsaw's work all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Jigsaw you know? got shooters, man. You know, he's got a lot of people out there helping him. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> so I thought to the one with with the needles. Yeah, that's the needle one. I that was tough to watch. Yeah, I remember that one. It was like ugh, the yeah. it factor really, uh, really kicks in. Um, and actually, that's that's interesting. They're talking about that because I before we move on to the topic, I wanted to actually maybe we could do this the whole month through, but I wanted to maybe give our audience, our listeners, um, a little taste of stuff they might want to consider watching this month. So I wanted to maybe you know ask you guys, have you watched any spooky movies recently, and can you give a recommendation of one if you have? Go ahead, Simon. Uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> go, go. I can go. Um, so I can't remember if I mentioned it on the previous podcast, but um, I recently watched Talk to Me, that Australian film. Uh, how was that? And I, I liked it. I thought it was actually really good. Um, you know, it, it's not it's not perfect by any means, but for a newer movie, like it's 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 got good scares in it. Like it's it's interesting. It's got a good twist that was fresh and new. At least I thought uh good movie worth watching i know it's sort of a it's sort of a weird one right now there's some people love it some people hate it it's all over the place but i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was it was really good and for recommendation i haven't been watching too much spooky stuff yet but now it's october 1st so uh we're gonna fire on all uh all cylinders here but um i mean i love i love fright night uh the 80s movie Fright Night. I love uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I know we've oh, talked yeah. about previously. Obviously, topic of conversation today, Monster Squad. But yeah, like, uh, God, there's so many. I love watching Joe Bob Briggs this time of year. For those who don't have Shudder and are horror fans, I definitely recommend it. Check uh, out Joe Bob Briggs's show, The Last Drive-In. Yeah, he's pretty fantastic. He's awesome. He's just entertaining. Uh-huh. His rambling is just ridiculous. But like... Uh-huh. He's, he's super fun and like a lot of the movies that he's picked uh I've never even heard of before and like I checked it out another one I will say one of my favorites I know Curtis loves it too is slumber party massacre oh yeah yeah, yeah. we did that one last last year I believe for our spooky season um that was a, that was definitely a good one chopping mall if you haven't seen that chopping mall yes chopping mall is awesome but yeah it's kind of like the third best head explosion yes scanners still hold the rain but uh, yeah no for sure any like i don't know i like 80s 80s stuff so we're big 80s so it's like 
uh anything with like uh you know uh what's her name i'm drawing a blank from halloween jamie lee curtis anything oh, yeah. with like terror train yeah she's got a lot of like deep cuts they don't realize they're like what's i I can't remember what movie it is but there was some random movie she's in from like 1981 or two never heard of it it just came up on a search on tubi i'm like man she's just in some deep horror stuff error train is amazing uh it's all right obviously the halloween films are fantastic um she did another one too that i like oh obviously the fog john carpenter's the fog yeah uh, with him and uh, Tom Atkins, that was good shit. Oh yeah, but yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, check out her her uh, list of work for this time of year. It's it, it'll be worth your time. But uh, what about you, Simon? Um, I don't. Well, I've only I've only seen one horror movie in the past couple months. It was uh, Insidious, Red Door, and I can't recommend. Oh, it. oh hey. like it. They're Actually, so generic and dull and just very uh all the elements that you've seen in it you, you've seen you've seen before in other movies you know it's like oh a torture artist whose work you know comes to life or or represents a dream he's having the, with bad spirits blah 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 no no thanks <laughs> it's, just, it's just awful so don't waste your time on red door and uh, that really stood out to me <laughs> a possible future candidate for our uh, actors who directed movies series because uh, Patrick Wilson did That's direct right. that movie, uh, the star of the series. And yeah, and I, interesting to bring it up because I've heard people say it's not what you expect as like a horror movie. It's more of like a like a drama. It's more of like a coming of age. Type. Yeah, uh, very interesting. I'll, I'll probably check it out. It just sounds weird enough. And uh, uh, sure, if you get time. And I, and I, I still have to catch up because I've seen the first. Uh, I think the first three insidious movies. I got to watch the chapter three or whatever it's called, Last Key, I have no idea. Oh. I gotta I gotta finish. I gotta know what uh, Lynn Shea's up to. I just love how she's kind of like the main character of the of the series, this like psychic lady who just... I I, I could watch more of these if it's just her like going around with like... <laughs> I don't even know if she's in moves. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think she is, but... Um, what, about um, you? what about you, John? What do you got? Um, I watched... Uh, well, I was gonna keep it short, but maybe I'll just talk about the two that I watched. I watched... Yeah. Um, I was mentioning Saw 10 uh, before we started this. Uh, so me and my wife rewatched Saw, the original Saw. Um, what, what's kind of cool about Saw is that it's more of like a police, like, whodunit movie than like an actual horror movie. Like, I mean, yeah. it's a horror movie, but like a lot of it is just a lot of like, you know, flashbacks, you know, fast forwards in time and jumping between different characters. And you're kind of filling in the blanks of like, who is this this uh, jigsaw killer, the police are investigating. And you're kind of learning the the deeper lore of the story, mm-hmm. and you also you get drips and drabs of the characters themselves because you see uh, Doctor Gordon and Adam who are trapped in this uh, 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 downstairs like shower bathroom, um, and you you find out more about their characters and why Jigsaw actually picked them and their in their engagement and relationship to each other. It's very um, I forgot even I've seen the movie a million times. And I know what happens, but I was still very surprised by how the plot kind of uh, uh, envelops. And I think if you've never seen it before, like watching it, it's still a very big shock even to this day. Uh, it's also not as gory as you think, like it's gory, but like, I think because maybe because the sequels are a little bit more out there, um, I expected it to be way more, you know, it's got the tor- torture porn 
label. I was expecting something a little bit more violent and gory. And it's it's kind of mundane. It's a very low budget movie for its time. It was the I think the debut feature of Lee of um, James Wan and and Lee Winnell, who also helped write it. Um, and you could see like it's only, I think, two million dollars max, one million dollar budget. And it's very like very raw style for James Wan. I think, you know, his movies that have come out more recently, like, like Malignant, his, his style is really developed a lot more in this one there's a lot of like freeze frames and and weird editing choices it's very um feels very like almost like a student film kind of quality to it um but i still really enjoyed it i it's kind of funny because i was watching it and like it shot on film it has that like 2000s green sheen and it looks so dated now and i just remember it as a kid like this is what all movies looked like like it looked like any other movie i was watching like the fourth one and i noticed that same thing um, just just a just a side note. All nine Saw movies are available on Amazon Prime right now. So oh, nice! That's you good can to knock know. them all off right there. Then go see the I, I know in Canada too, just because I was browsing around in Canada on Netflix, and I think on Crave there's a bunch as well. Um, so I would also recommend folks if they they can't find it there, uh, just browse around. Uh, the rates for all these things on streaming sometimes is a bit challenging. That's why I really like the the website Just Watch because it'll tell you exactly what service it's on if it's available for rental or video on demand or where it's streaming um yeah yeah we're not sponsored but i would say it's a good a good resource because sometimes you're trying to find these movies and you're like where the hell is this movie it's not on it's on netflix it's taken off on netflix and you don't know where it goes um so it's kind of a fun way to stay on track that stuff um the second one i watched i rolled i rolled out yesterday uh not yesterday uh, two days ago uh, at the the buy town for the drunken cinema event uh for the 90s uh, invasion of the body snatchers kind of riff uh the faculty i hadn't seen that movie in so long uh, to me that's like an iconic movie of mine growing up i just remember as a kid that movie coming out and like watching it and like i've seen that movie a million times it's just so burned into my into my brain uh but it had been a long time since i rewatched it and uh it's uh it's interesting there's a lot of like genuine i was telling simon before the show a lot of like sex criminals involved in that movie uh the actor who plays hyde shows up and you got a pretty big boo from all of us in the crowd and uh the weinsteins produced it it's got like some weird evil vibes going on from the movie it's also like pretty at times like pretty laddish and i'm like ah it's kind of got a weird vibe but um it's a pretty fun movie it's written by kevin williamson who did uh who wrote scream and and also uh, he, it's produced by Dimension uh, Pictures, so it's got that like Scream '90s Miramax vibe. Um, the soundtrack's great. Um, I love how like, the way it's shot in school is really fun. It's a lot of like swooping. The camera's always moving around. It's there's a scene in the in the teachers' lounge where it like does like a full like two three sixties around at each character. It's it's really well well shot, and uh, the performances are really fun. I love how the students are all just like fucking terrible to each other. They're all like just ripping each other apart or like making fun of each other and it's just it really paints this like really fucking sweaty humid i think they're in like florida or they're in the southeast u.s it's very humid and swampy vibe and you just see how like on edge everyone is and it really works well when you see um the transition with the with the faculty to becoming possessed um and, you know it's very red def- i think referential in that way to something like the the uh, Don Siegel uh, invasion of the body snatchers from the seventies, where it has that kind of very claustrophobic feel, you know, you're in this big city, this big sprawling Metro metropolis, but you're getting this really kind of tense feeling of like the walls are closing in on you. And I I think the movie does okay with that. It's a little bit more sillier, but 
um it was still fun to come back to because i've just i've seen it a million times and you know seeing baby elijah wood and all that's uh, a lot of fun um i i guess quinn you've probably seen that movie right the faculty uh the faculty no no you've seen it oh man i've not seen that movie no put that on your watch list for october if you haven't seen it classic when when did that come out uh 1998 90s i was yeah okay i i, re- I remember it um i just uh it's one of those ones i just never seen yeah, um, i would definitely recommend it would make for a good movie night you know throwing back some beers shooting the shit oh that's right yeah josh hartnett yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I probably didn't see it because I thought it was, I'm a little bit weird on science fiction. Like some things interest me, some things don't. And maybe that just fell through the cracks, but I just added it. I'll watch it this week. Yeah, I'll watch it this week. Um, So otherwise, I guess we can, uh, if anybody has no other choices or or mentions, we could probably move into our topic of the week. And that's uh, uh, the Monster Squad. Um, uh, Before I get into it, I actually want to, because Quinn, this is your choice. So I wanted to kind of ask you about you know why you chose this movie and what is what does the monster squad mean to you so uh well i saw the monster squad not even that long ago like i would say maybe like six seven years ago i watched the monster squad for the first time um i didn't see it as a kid and i had heard about it and i was like oh okay well i kind of almost went in blind i didn't really know like what it was about but i did know that it was sort of it had the background of like universal monsters and uh, I'm a big Universal Monster movie fan. Like, I love all those old, uh, you know, like the Wolfman and like like Boris Karloff's like Frankenstein and shit like that. Like, I just love all that. So I was interested in that. And then, I don't know, man, I, I fell in love with this movie. Like, this movie's super punchy. It's like an hour and 15 minutes or something. I just saw it at the Mayfair, uh, Ottawa's local um, independent theater. It was wicked. Just like... Uh, the reaction of the crowd and everything. But yeah, Monster Squad just means a lot to me. It's almost like, in a way, it's almost like, it, it reminds me of like Stand By Me a little bit. Like, just yeah, with yeah. the kind of like Treehouse vibe. I just love like, I love the, all the kids in it. The little girl is just like, she's so funny in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't be chicken shit. But yeah. yeah like, I, I forgot about that. That's so funny. The line. Oh, my God. I love like one of the one of the kids and it's got a T-shirt I've always wanted just says Stephen King rules. But and no, I just I don't know. I just I I just warmed up to the kids immediately. Uh, And you you kind of you kind of feel a part of their their club, if you will. Um, And I will say this. um, Shout out to my friend Aaron. If he's listening to this, I'm going to tag him in this. But um, he is a teacher at a school and he was influenced uh, by this movie and he started his own uh what's called a monster club uh and it's a program with his students and they like they like watch like universal monster movies and do like cool crafts and study like mythological oh, that's awesome. stuff and like he was like recognized for it and i just like i just think it's super cool but i know that the monster squad was a a really big influence for him to do that so shout out to my friend aaron that's awesome that's that's really great. I love that. Like, you know, taking this influence you had as a kid watching this movie and then using it as like a little teachable device. That's just so cool. It's brilliant. When he told me about it, I was like, that's so awesome. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, for, no, for, Mo- the Monster Squad means a lot to me. And I will also say this a little weird, interesting, uh, you know, a little side side fact, I guess. Um, my wife got me Mo- the, for, for those who don't know, the Monster Squad's a big um a big tape in the VHS world. I, I I have a VHS collection and um the Monster Squad is like a really sought after tape and it, it's it's not cheap. 
and uh my wife got me monster squad on vhs for my wedding gift so That's shout sick. out to my wife because she's awesome but <laughs> nice. yeah mm. yeah but, yeah so, so that means a lot to me <laughs> on the canon so october 1st 2023 is the uh felt right that's cool uh, simon like this this movie would have came out you wouldn't have been like a little kid when this movie came out right like you would have been... uh i was like 14 yeah so was this a movie that you still watched when it when it first came out because uh, it's kind of a bit of a cult hit right like it wasn't yeah i mean movie. i watched it a bit it's you know it's it's one of those movies that's up there with the gate and you know a couple other like kids horror movies mm-hmm. um it's it's always been ever since it came out it's always been kind of revered by you know movie geeks like myself uh i i don't really i mean i i have a i have a soft spot for it but i i have i have kind of a bunch of nitpicks maybe um i love the stan winston um work on the monsters i think that's 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 those that's the star of the show is the monster outfits i think that the movie could have been a little longer could have had a bit a bit more of a plot where the kids like set up traps or something. I think there was like maybe one too many kids in the group. There was five, and you really didn't really get to know any of them except for like the greaser and the fat kid. Um, so you know, the kids didn't really quite have you know your typical arcs, you know. Um, but you know, it's still fun. But uh, I mean, you get you get you get. You get Dracula, who now has magical powers, but he's using dynamite to blow people. Oh yeah, up. he uses so much fucking dynamite. And then, like, he's like so he's petty that he's shit up everywhere. He's so petty that he comes back to the kids' treehouse to blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> like that's Dracula, really? And this like, guy's like the fucking Unabomber or something. And Jeez. where the fuck did he get? Where the fuck did he get that hearse with a skull skull <laughs> ornament on the, the hood? Like he just shows up with that after that he flies out of a plane. He had it in a garage somewhere, like the DeLorean Back like, to Future look, 3. If you look at the up. plot, none of it really makes any sense, which is fine. It's a fun movie. I, I don't I don't mean to nitpick it. I just think that I think it's almost a missed opportunity where it could have been great, not good. Yeah. But, but I we'll, see what you mean. We can we could probably get into more. I want to quickly mention though, because uh, Quinn had said having it on tape and the tapes a sought after item. Um my I first watched this movie when I was very young. My parents had a had a tape copy of it, but it was a re- recorded off the TV. Um, you know, back in the day, buying tapes, you know, some of those tapes were pretty expensive. Um, so the easiest, cheapest way to have movies was That's what we to, did. Was just a yeah, just to record them off TV. So we had I had a, my parents had a lot of like lesser movies that you wouldn't be able to really get at the store uh that way and that's that's where i saw monster squad it was a uh, ripped off television probably when i would have been like a baby or something like that um off of one of these network uh, programs and um I, I i loved it as a kid i just remember like being so into it and you know it's a movie as a kid a kid horror movie and i was really connected to that and i think there's something to be said about like the the older generation of like children horror movies like the 80s even up to like the 90 1990 with like it they felt more dangerous and there's a lot of like kid horror movies that don't really necessarily feel that dangerous nowadays. I think a movie like the the more recent It remakes are uh, are a good example of you know a kid horror movie that actually does feel violent and dangerous, and kids get hurt in it, and they're put in perilous situations. And I really enjoy that aspect of this movie too. Like it, it's it's a children's horror movie. Like it's very much aimed at a younger audience, um, but it still feels very like dangerous and violent. And there's a there's a genuine body count in this movie. Like people get fucking killed. Like a cop gets his head like 
crush snapped and i was like man i i totally forgot about that i mean it's been so long since i've seen this but <laughs> dracula holds a little girl by her throat and just a little five-year-old girl by the throat and he's like tell me where it is you little bitch <laughs> uh, and that scene also was um that was the first time he had actually worn the uh the fangs and that scream was real like he actually like, oh, terrified her doing that in that moment um duncan Re- rieger like- who yeah, Duncan Rager, who plays um, uh, Dracula. Originally, it was supposed to be Liam Neeson, who they had aimed to get, but he oh. left the project. But Duncan Rager, I think he's a really good Dracula in this movie. Like, he's really genuinely kind of creepy, and there's a, sure. there's a tone with him that's more serious than everyone else. Like, even, like, the, the Wolfman, they all kind of feel campy and, you know, kind of later universal vibe. But Duncan Rager always feels very, like, dangerous and... There's something about that I think, presence. And even when they were filming it, he intentionally like wouldn't interact with the kids. Like he stayed in costume. Ah. Didn't like that. Basically the only interaction he had with them was in those scenes they filmed together. So it feels very authentic in, in that way too. Um, Tom Noonan plays uh, the Frankenstein monster. Um, I got a kick out of seeing that too. Cause Tom Noonan is in the next year would have been in uh, Manhunter as the tooth fairy killer. So kind of a fun, um, uh, back-to-back kind of performances for him but um his his character oh. as well too he stayed in character as frankenstein throughout most of the filming to kind of build a relationship kind of obviously to build a relationship like with the kids and stuff like that um and it's kind of funny how this takes these like uh great great value universal monsters right it's like dracula the wolfman uh the creature from the black black lagoon that we're not calling the creature from the black lagoon no it's gilman uh, all these kind of characters and they're kind of like not totally like their universal characters like the frankenstein monster doesn't have it on the the side of his head it's like on the front it's a little there's a little bit of little changes like that to kind of uh pass because this isn't a universal uh pictures movie i don't believe or they might have distributed it but it's uh um they had to kind of work around tristar yeah it's tristar i think yeah and uh, yeah. another example, like we talked with the Grease episode about, you know, the 70s up until the 80s was like the period of like 50s nostalgia. And in a way, this is kind of like that, too. This is like a callback to um, kids in the 50s growing up. They would have went to the like my dad. Uh, my dad's an older guy. He has fond memories of as a young kid back in the 50s of walking to the Ottawa's Nelson Theater, which is now the Bytown, um, and paying like. 10 15 cents or whatever it was to go see some shitty uh not shitty but you know they were perceived back then as being kind of lower and shitty um like universal era movies from like the 30s and onward of these like black and white monster horror movies and that was the era he had of like watching the wolfman and a lot of the classic universal movies and he has fond memories of like walking back home uh, he used to live um my 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 his his house was in Overbrook neighborhood of Ottawa and walking down along the river and being terrified that the wolfman was going to get him or something like that and <laughs> i think you could tell that frank decker um really uh connected uh sorry fred decker you could tell that like he was coming from a place of his own kind of youth of uh, him and, and shane black wrote the script as well too like they're really kind of um connected to that kind of you know baby boomer era when they would have grown up watching these movies probably on like at the at the rep theater or on tv maybe and they're kind of channeling that back into the 80s and i I thought that was really kind of a fun a fun nostalgic kind of vibe to it um and i also liked i I, seeing the kids treehouse was like the fucking i i wish i was friends with these kids as a kid because they have yeah, like the ultimate all trigger. the post they have like the return of the living dead poster they got godzilla i'm like man he's literally me for real like i was like connecting with these guys so much I the, wish I was... the line in the movie too is when like they're up they're up there and then someone goes how the hell did a dog even get up here yeah <laughs> 
my god, man! I howled at that in at the theater. I I never even noticed that line before. It just like went over my head. But like, holy shit, that that was hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, the cast is really fun. The kids are all just so different. I mean, um, there's definitely some stuff that hasn't aged the best. And like the first ten minutes of this movie is like a bunch of bullies like dropping some f slurs on the Horace who's called fat kid the whole movie and i was like man this if you've never grew up with these movies and you're watching it now and you're you know your tastes aren't as uh you, you know the your taste for the 80s is, is, isn't isn't there i could see this being a little bit off-putting but um it is really fun though like there, there's just like you could it feels very authentic to the way kids would act back then or even now like there's a lot of just like busting each other's balls which i kind of liked about it and even the relationship with the parents was kind of fun like the the, the like sean his parents are like going through this strife like his dad's a detective and he's kind of not home a lot he's away and his wife's kind of struggling with that there's actually some like more uh deleted scenes that actually show more of like the spousal fighting stuff which was kind of cut out but um i really like the relationship with their kids though like when he's watching from the drive-in on the roof and the dad comes up like kind of has, has a beer and they're like eating just like uh eating fries he's like he'll pass me that and he's like watching as well um really fun to see the parents like kind of connect with their kids that way i feel like a lot of these like coming of age kids movies the parents are just kind of like a wholly separate unit that like never really gets involved or or, or until the end but in this one the parents are actually pretty close to the kids and right away they're kind of kind of involved in the greater story of what's going on so um, I really dug that. And I also dug a, a cameo by, uh, he plays the pilot of the plane that Dracula's in, the, the bat, uh, David Proval. If, so if you watch The Sopranos, you'll know him as Richie Aprili from season two of The Sopranos. So that yeah. was kind of fun yeah. seeing him. I was like, did you get the Dracula? Dracula? I was expecting to kind of do that or something, but uh, <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun. Um, just to run real quick production history. Um, yeah, Decker was inspired. He had watched, uh, rewatched Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. And, you know, he was kind of really, I thought the idea of rebooting classic horror series was, you know, he thought of the idea was like a crossover between the Little Rascals and Universal Monsters. And so that's how this project uh, really started. Um, and you could see this, the that kind of influence on something like Stranger Things. I don't think you get Stranger Things without the Monster Squad. It's sort of like a dry run to that kind of movie. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, before its time it depicts sort of like a very sort of realist kind of suburban experience i think of like the movie poltergeist which i like a little bit more than this one but like poltergeist really depicts like a very authentic feeling 80s suburban family where the parents feel fallible just like anyone just like the parents in this movie so i think that's a really kind of fun way to connect with it coming back to it now as like an adult like i'm closer probably to the parents age than i am to the kids and like i could see kind of my own self and my own foibles in the parents and I, I kind of really like like that part of it too um and i loved all the actual you know special effects and all the costuming like with the wolf man and stuff like that it's very 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 good effects work in this i think too um especially like when the wolf man gets blown up at the end thrown out the window uh, whatever push up that the part is great that part oh, is great. so and, good um you know rest in peace dan winston uh is it really he really put it, put some good quality work in there. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, yeah, they. Uh, I think uh, Peter Himes actually produced this as well too. Um, wow. He was pretty pretty well involved in it. And there actually had been some kind of tension between uh, Himes and Decker. Um, 
you know, Decker, it's actually interesting. This is also shot in Panavision. So it has like almost like a John Carpenter feel. It's very like wide shots. Uh, like I think of the shot when they're walking with uh, Frankenstein. Frank I call it Frankenstein. I'm going to get slapped by the monster fans. Frankenstein's monster when they're walking out of the treehouse and you get the beautiful sunset. And like well, shots like that are actually very beautiful in this movie. It's, it I, I was thinking about that Frankenstein's monster thing and the whole naming. You know what? I think we can call him Frankenstein because he doesn't have a name and he's the creation of of Dr. Frankenstein. You should ask so, him, right? Like, just what is like, he going to call? You know, Frankie? So, so I think that he gets the last name of Frankenstein by default. Oh, like an inherited title, right? Yeah. Like I mean, if you look at a Van Gogh painting and say it's a Van Gogh, you know, that's yeah. a creation of Van Gogh. I, I I think we can call him Frankenstein. And, That's a good know, way of thinking about it. Yeah, I like that. the fuck up about it. <laughs> I will say too, this movie, there's basically like no, I for, I didn't realize there's like no story. Like there's basically no plot. It's like, well, there's a bit of a plot with the beginning with Van Helsing. The, the past. And stuff, it's like, yeah, he blew it. I like that moment. title. I like that title crawl where it's like, you know, he blew it. Like it's a little silly. and uh, It is. Yeah. And yeah, there's a the whole idea of this amulet. I think it's like once every century or something, they want to get the amulet and but what once the story kind of gets going, like there's there it just kind of like very quickly just like speeds along. Like when the monsters actually form, like the Avengers, they're all connecting together and they they get the monster out of the out of the the lake and he's oh he's free. It's like 10 minutes and then boom, the monsters are already in town and the kids are already like interacting with uh Frankenstein's monster. It moves very quickly, uh, which is also to a credit to the movie because it's not it's not a very long film but it has to move quickly also start thinking about it and realize it doesn't make any sense yeah exactly <laughs> but I, I mean i love the kids interactions with the monsters like that scene when they're in the down the, the spooky house uh with the, the old german guys helping them when they get in there and they see all the monsters and you hear them screaming and again it's like genuinely kind of terrifying you know they're they think they're actually gonna die and like they see like the three brides that get turned from dracula oh, yeah. turned to vampires uh so it's it's very very captive but i love all the little like bits of humor like you know he's like there's got to be a switch somewhere there's always a switch and like of course it happens and uh the, the iconic stuff like the wolfman's got nards is just like i remember as a kid like howling laughing because that was so funny um and it still is damn it it's still funny wolfman's got nards um <laughs> it's it doesn't take itself too seriously but it's you know it's it's got a, i think it strikes a pretty decent tone uh, between like dangerous and and severe and and still kind of fun and lighthearted like it's still a children's movie and it, it kind of follows a little bit of like children's logic especially at the end where um, you know that kid was it is his name eugene he's like writing the the letter and, yes uh, he's the like army. <laughs> monsters are coming and it's like really obvious like ch child writing this and at and the just... end the whole army shows up like is eugene here yeah, where's Eugene? It's like some like special letter. He's got like a big stogie in his mouth. It's like <laughs> it's like what yeah. the ending is so silly, but it's 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 a good a good ending for the kind of movie this is. And I like so my one of my my favorite kinds of endings is where like the end and the camera kind of zooms out. And they're all like kind of like laughing, like ha 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 ha. Like you're seeing them kind of like improv a little bit as like the camera's <laughs> panning away. I, it was, I love it was that. almost like they said that's a wrap, and then like it was like their genuine sort of reaction. Yeah, it's hilarious. It, the The other thing that I found weird too is is when the uh, the sister lies about being a virgin or whatever, oh, and yeah. then. And then they have to go to the little girl. It's like, oh, she's a virgin. It's like, why did she just do that in the fucking first place? No, I know. <laughs> and then like the. The guy gives him gives her like a Duolingo course in like sixty seconds, <laughs> and totally teaches her how to say this like next level like 
spell in order to like get them back. And it also kills me every time I see it when um, Frankenstein's floating away. It's all emotional. And then the girl throws some scraps, the little like the little bunny stuffy or whatever she has. And he like he catches it like Travis Kelsey and then like flies to heaven or whatever. It's hilarious. Scraps. Scraps. Yeah. Scrap, yeah. <laughs> I, I I like I like the uh, I like the Frankenstein guy. He was a uh, he was a he was a nice touch. He, he you know you wanted to like him. You know he was like the gentle giant. Um, definitely my favorite character of the bunch. I liked how uh, I liked how they got rid of the mummy by unraveling him. <laughs> that, that was, was so cool. funny. Yeah, and then the and arrow. then and the creature from the la- last the creature from the Black Lagoon dies like a bitch. Just gets shot by the kid and. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a deleted scene where he actually coughs out fish, and you see them like they're like doing the cuts where they like dump the fish on the ground. They're like, "All right," and st-. and it looks so bad, and you can see them like <laughs> trying to set it up. It's it's yeah. it's pretty hokey, um, but uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's just again this movie just exceeds like respect and love for the classic era of like monster movies, and like you just see it in this in this film it's got a love for just like greater i think horror films in general like all the all the visual nods to different horror movies there's a lot of references in this too i think to other um parts of like kind of classic um horror like i think there's a part where they're looking at the map of the town and you see like like cheney street like lon cheney jr and like there's a lot of like little nods to that i think there's a nod to like todd browning as well too the plane sorry the plane has browning written on it so a nod to the director of dracula todd browning there's a lot of like little Easter egg nods to that. So if you're watching it like a, as someone who has been watching a lot of Universal movies, you get to see those things. And like that's that was my experience because I've been trying to get watch more of the classic Universal. So seeing a lot of that um, was fun. Um, you know, you could see that they really put a lot of love and attention into uh, the kind of character of this movie. Um, and it, it, as a result, coming back to it, it's still very fun and, and refreshing. Albeit. The plot's a little thin. There's not really much of a story. Um, there's definitely some parts that haven't aged that well. Um, so you know, if you're if you're a Gen Z watching this movie, you're you probably your head exploded like scanners when you heard some of those f bombs get dropped. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame you, but uh, it still feels of its time. It's still really funny, um, and I st- I do like that. Um, Horace gets his like his hero moment at the end. Um, you know, he's like he's like they're like. Wow, nice job, fat kid. He's like, it's Horace with the like gun. He's yeah. like shh, shh, with the fucking arrow gun. That's funny. Uh that's such a good moment. Um yeah. Any other uh scenes or uh things you guys wanted to mention? Uh no, I don't think so per se. Um I definitely do like the last like 10, 15 minutes. So there's just like a Burger King downtown, and then the little store that the two bullies sort of like end up hiding in and all that, but like yeah, just when they're cut, co- like they're all coming out, and um, I, I also I say it every time I walk. Like, how long does it take? Like, where are the cops? Like, how long does it take? Like, there's so much shit that goes down, and there's like nobody around. There's not a single car that drives by. There's not. Yeah, like, it's pretty. It's pretty dead there in the town square. It's like, but, it's almost uh, like it was a Hollywood backlot or something. Yeah, it, it almost looked like the. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah man no just overall this movie is like obviously it's got a lot of like you know hiccups to it and whatever but overall uh 
it's it's fun. It's a fun. It, it, it's one of it's one of the best movies you can recommend to a kid for horror. Yeah, yeah. no, it's like good, that in the gate. I think it's are, a good way to introduce them. Yeah, as well. Yeah, to kind of that that kind of movie. I think. Sure. Um, I guess maybe to wrap it to note as well, like when this movie came out, I was pretty surprised by this. This movie was actually like a a, a bit of a bomb. Like it didn't actually like. Uh, I think it came out. It was it, it made like I think three point seven million on like what is a fairly like a decent budget like they there's a lot of special effects in this thing and um it didn't really do very well in the theaters and i think they part of that was that the movie um it wasn't produced it wasn't picked up by disney so it wasn't like released under like kind of like a kid's label um decker said that like he wished that you know the company that had chosen this movie had like a better affinity for marketing it because it had like a, a pg-13 rating um so it didn't really reach older audiences that's why i kind of asked simon about it because like this movie really wasn't watched by a lot of older uh, people as much um it was uh it came out around the same time as the lost boys which obviously was a much bigger r rating hit um and as a result it kind of people kind of saw it as like more of like a b movie knockoff kids movie um but it's it, again it's actually been received a lot better in in recent years um a lot of critics um who even were more negative when it came out have kind of re- retrospectively have been very kind to it because it's such an obvious love letter to uh, universal monsters um there's a there's a quote by nathan Raven. he's a former av club writer wrote a book my year of flops and a lot of his like stories of watching these kind of flop movies and blockbuster hits that didn't pan out and he said um squad's gleeful monster mash anticipates bloated cgi orgies like van helsing which likely cost a hundred times as much yet boasts a hundredth of squad's scrappy ramshackle charm um, kind of noting that, you know, there's a lot of movies like this that come out now that are just so bloated and so CGI uh, inspired and messy. And this one's got a lot of like authentic charm to its production and, and quality. Um, and uh, yeah, this movie is available pretty much in a lot of formats. I watched it on, I think watched it on Amazon or no, it's on Amazon Prime, but I watched it on, I have it on Blu-ray copy of it, which was really cool. Um, it's like the 20th anniversary version, had a lot of like behind the scenes production notes it was really just kind of fun reading about the actual adult actors who play um the monsters because again like a lot of these movies with kids there's a lot of things you have to work around with how you film it you can't film all night you have to like film certain parts of the day and how the actors actually interact with the kids and it was kind of cool that the the monsters themselves were so um they tried to intentionally make it so that they were intimidating to the kids or or you know building those associations with them i thought that was good good again it made it feel very authentic like you felt you felt sad when you know dracula's monster floats away he has that little relationship with the girl i wasn't that emotionally struck by it this time around but i remember as a kid you know i was tearing up i was like oh you know but as an adult i didn't really care that much i'm like yeah yeah get out of here frankenstein's monster you don't belong but um I don't know. It was still very touching. Um, I guess if we don't have anything else to add, maybe we can uh, move to our, our ratings then on the Monster Squad. Um, Quinn, did you want to kick us off with your uh, with your score? Yeah, sure. Uh, I gave it a four out of five. Um, you know, uh, obviously, the the movie critic in me is not would not give it a four out of five, but I just like I just like this movie. It's fun. It's funny. It's got a lot of stuff that. I noticed for the first time with, with watching it uh, this time around, but yeah, overall, just, I, I love the, the universal monsters. I do like the kids. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I just, I find the script is funny. There's a lot of like funny kind of lines and like quotable lines, obviously Wolfman's got nards is like a, you know, the, the most famous one I would, I would say, but uh, yeah, four out of five for me. Um, Simon, what about you, buddy? Uh, I'm gonna give it a three. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's got its issues, but uh, you know, 
I think you can't do any better if you're looking for a kid's horror movie. So uh, three cool. stars it is. Cool. Um, before I get my scroll, just note uh, Curtis. Uh, he wasn't here today, obviously. And shout out to Curtis because he ran a marathon, literal marathon. Yeah, today. right on. Um, as as we've had in the show notes, a little um, we've had like mention of his um, his GoFundMe for he's raising money for again uh, cancer research and stuff. So very excited that he ran a marathon today. But uh, obviously hard to run a marathon and record a podcast at the same time. Am I right? So uh, <laughs> he was helpful enough to leave his little personal notes. And here's what Curtis had to say about the Monster Squad. He said. What I loved about this one is how realistic the children's dialogue is. It's not diluted for family audiences, but it feels very natural and authentic, like something Stephen King would cook up, you know. Um, huh. I also enjoy the old school special effects and the overall color palette. Uh, you know, good CGI is cool, but there's something special about the kind of Tales from the Crypt style vampiric transformations. Uh, I think the villains could have been more original instead of just ripping them out of the Universal Monsters playbook. Um, and he said, also, doesn't the brat in the jacket, leather jacket, look 20? Why is he at an elementary school? Uh, some of it reminds me of the Goonies and the Gate, which you, which you mentioned, uh, especially the kids on the quest narrative and Frankenstein's monsters interactions with the group. Uh, fun to see David Proval again. He mentions Richie Aprilli from The Sopranos. Uh, the plot's kind of a mess, but it's a really entertaining pizza movie. And I'm here for that witty child banter. And he ends it by saying, I really like Phoebe as a character, too. They should have let her join the squad from day one. Come on, don't be a chicken shit. So I thought that was pretty, <laughs> pretty sweet. He gave it, I think he gave it three out of five. Uh, yeah, he gave it three out of five. Um, going a little bit more positive, I, I think it's really fun. Four out of five for me. I think it's just a really love letter to this particular era of monster movies. It's got a lot of the 80s aesthetic that I like. And, you know, it's it, the characters are really fun, too. They're really silly. I even like the scene at the beginning when they're at the, the, the principal's office and he's, like, grilling them over the, like, creepy drawings they're doing. Um, kind of wish there was a little bit more of that at the school and stuff like that. I think once it kicks along, once the squad forms, it almost moves a little bit too quickly. And I kind of wish there was more hangout stuff with the kids because I really enjoyed those moments. And it was a kind of a great way to build uh, the kind of relationships with them. But I, I do love the effects in it. I love Duncan Rager as Dracula is a really underrated Dracula. I think he's really dangerous, really cool in this. Um, love the actual costuming and effects. Um, and it's just super violent, as, as you were saying, like, this Dracula is just dynamiting everywhere. He's blowing shit up, blowing up a treehouse, <laughs> blows up a police car with the cop in it. Like it's kind of an underratedly violent movie, which I dug. I'm like, you know, if you're going to get kids into horror movies, it's a good choice because, you know, you got to get them used to death and explosions and a better <laughs> movie to, to introduce them than this one. It's a PG-13 one after all. So while it is violent, it's not uh, gratuitously so. So I think this is a good one to get the the kids in the mood for this kind of movie. Um, so overall, though, uh, we're about three and a half. So good movie. Check it out. Um, pretty sure you can stream it. I think it's probably on like Amazon Prime in Canada and probably elsewhere in the States. Um, and uh, you might, you know, check out your local rep cinemas. They play it. Uh, they just played it here in Ottawa. Might be playing at other theaters as well, too, across uh, North America. So you might have a spot near you that might throw this on maybe as like a outdoor screening or drive-in for the spooky season. Uh, those are always fun. Actually, I think near us, there's a, a joint, I think it's Capital Pop-Up and they do screenings in like cemeteries and stuff like that. So that'd be kind of fun to catch a movie there and, you know, build up those horror spooky vibes. Um, so that's, this is part one of our spooky canon series. Um, we've got a few more on the slate. Next week is a big one. Again, I'm crestfallen. I won't be here, but it's a Blair, the Blair Witch Project. Uh, we got some special guests coming on, um, and Curtis has done a lot of uh, prep for that one. He's been watching all the documentaries and doing all the reading, so I think he's going to have a lot to, to say about that one. 
Um, we got some more coming up as well too. Uh, Simon, your choice. Uh, this I think is Slither. Yeah, uh, the James Gunn movie. Uh, I've never seen that one, so I'm very excited to check that one out. Oh, so good. we'll be doing that uh-huh. one. And uh, I think we'll also be uh, before before Halloween itself. We'll be talking Halloween H two O. Yeah, we were. Just, I was just talking to the faculty and Josh Hartnett's in it. I think he's in H two O as well too. He plays a, uh, I think her son in it. So, uh, you yep. know, it's a who's who of nineties actors that uh, actually Josh Hartnett was in Oppenheimer, so he's having a bit of a, a renaissance, I, I I guess. But um, that'll be fun to do. I guess following the uh, following the spooky month, we'll probably be getting back into some of our uh, uh, Ridley Scott watch series. We've got all of his two thousands air output stuff that I'm pretty familiar with, like Hannibal and Black Hawk Down, and then going through those and we've got some more some extended horror stuff coming up as well too i know curtis is really keen on doing uh uh luca guaganino's uh i'm probably butchering that last name um uh, bones and all uh the, the adaptation of the uh, the novel uh came out last year with uh, timothy chalamet and uh kind of like a road horror cannibal movie um so i heard it's really good and he's I've never seen it. It. so we'll talk talk about that then um all right anything you guys want to mention close off you know it's day one of october anything that you're uh doing or any plans you might have football today football (laughs) it's a good week of football get to watch my team lose again love it you know i'm uh rolling the the rock up the hill that keeps rolling down who's your team uh the the los angeles rams which i guess i shouldn't say too bad about because you know won a super bowl two two years ago but i'm a patriot um, so i can't i can't i'll take the good with the bad yeah (laughs) i mean Following up a Super Bowl with the worst losing season of all time as a post-champion, it's not very great. That's but tough. What are you going to do? You can only win some, you lose some. That's what sports is all about. So Quinn's like, it's our year, damn it, Dallas, baby. Woo. <laughs> we damn boys. <laughs> it's our year, but uh, I don't know. I mean, we play the Pats today, so I think it'll be yeah. a good game. Yeah, it will be. All right. Sounds good. And again, before we close out for our audience out there, it's October. A lot of you are watching horror movies, stuff like that. You're welcome to watch what we're recommending. But if you've got some that you'd like, you think we would be interested in, again, reach out to us. You know who we are. Just talk to us or cstruckpodcast at gmail.com. Email us. I check it periodically. Uh, mostly it's just notifications about Anchor and stuff like that. I'm like, where's the fan mail, damn it? Uh, so don't be a stranger. Send us some fan mail. Uh, send us some weird cryptic zodiac messages, maybe if you want. We take any kind of feedback, right? Good or bad or creepy. So uh, do what you will with it. And uh, yeah, be fun to kick off Spooky Cannon Month. It's our favorite time of the year. Uh, we'll be back next week with more stuff. And uh, I guess that's about it. All right, guys. See y'all you all next week. Bye bye. We got